Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. that's where the world is today. Guys, the world is on fire. And all too often, they don't want to hear the truth because the truth will hurt. But you know what? That little bit of hurt helps them to be saved from impending destruction. We need to be people who know the truth, who abide in the truth, who continually walk in the truth and continue to declare the truth. John declares here, grace mercy and peace will be with them. But in the formation of the words here, it is only as a result of their lives being lived in truth and love. The Word of God is what sets people free. As you listen to today's message from Pastor David, he reminds you that it's the truth found in God's Word that leads people to freedom. As a follower of Jesus, it's important that you are a person who declares His truth. Sometimes people think that if they speak the truth of God, that others will think less of them. Pastor David encourages you to only care what the Father thinks of you and to live to please Him. Don't be ashamed of the Word of God. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 2 John chapter 1 as he continues his message, Walking in Truth. it that Jesus told us about the truth? The truth will what? Set you free. When we are people of the word, people of the kingdom of God, children of God, the truth will set us free. Sometimes, oh, but if I, if I told the truth, that would expose me too much. But you know what? In that exposure becomes great freedom. If I told the truth, you would think less of me. Who are you more concerned about thinking less of you? People or God? We need to be people of the truth. Now, we we talk about that kind of truth, but the thing that John is dealing with here is, is the truth of the doctrine, the truth of the word of God. How desperately the world needs to hear that truth Today, the truth of God's word. But instead of hearing the truth, actually, the world by and large is demanding that if we actually are showing tolerance for each other, then we need to withhold, twist, or deny the truth. Because if you speak the truth of the word of God to me, it's going to reveal something in my life that I don't want to have revealed. Or it's going to charge me something in my life that I don't want to change. The world, by and large, doesn't want to hear the truth. The world today says, actually, it says that speaking the truth is actually cruel. Speaking the truth is uncaring. And speaking the truth is that big word, intolerant. And they'll label all who speak the truth as haters, 
as bigots, as racists, and at, at, at best, you're at least uncaring for the feelings of others. Why would you say that? Don't you know that that really brings conviction to him? Well, maybe that's what needs to happen. You know, the only time that we hear the supposed truth is that it makes us feel good. I guarantee we are not getting the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Because sometimes the truth, man, it cuts like a knife. And it reveals things within our lives. And so John wants to make sure, man, make sure that you're walking in the truth. Guys, listen, if you saw me walking down the street and what little bit of hair I had left was on fire, I, I would want somebody to stop and say, hey, David, your hair is on fire, okay? And, you know, well, I, why are you saying that to me? That's so cruel. <laughs> Making fun of my hair, aren't you? And if I didn't respond to you telling me that my hair is on fire, I would hope that you cared enough about me to knock me down on the ground and pour water all over me. Even if I do get scraped knees, and even if I do get wet all over, that's better. I mean, those are small issues concerning the impending destruction that would come if I kept going and I was on fire. And you see, that's where the world is today. Guys, the world is on fire. And all too often, they don't want to hear the truth because the truth will hurt. But you know what? That little bit of hurt helps them to be saved from impending destruction. We need to be people who know the truth, who abide in the truth, who continually walk in the truth and continue to declare the truth. John declares here, grace, mercy, and peace will be with them. But in the formation of the words here, it is only as a result of their lives being lived in truth and love. If you're not living in truth and you're not living in love, then grace, mercy, and peace will not be with you. In essence, that's the way the the sentence structure is there. That's why he got so excited when he declared that he had actually seen some of the fellowship demonstrating through their lives, both in word and in action, that they were actually, they were walking in the truth just as we receive commandment from the Father. He says, oh, I rejoiced and greatly that I found some of your children walking in truth, just as we received commandment from the Father. They were following the teachings that they had received from the apostles and from the other teachers. Their lives were apparently a testimony of obedience to the truth, not what was comfortable but to the truth. And apparently it wasn't just in word only during a Sunday meeting, you know, the faithful. And so everybody's got their, you know, their Jesus face on and we're all speaking Christianese to one another and everybody's all smiley and happy and everybody's doing wonderful. No, he says, no, I saw them out walking. I saw them living their lives in the truth. And guys, that's what matters. I'm gonna tell you right now, it doesn't matter what you do when you walk in these doors. It really doesn't, because the biggest thing that matters is when you walk out of these doors and how we live in a world that's pushing and pressing and and coming against us. When we deal with issues of, man, family problems and, and struggles in life, and the world is looking at it, guys, that's when we need to be walking in the truth. 
Oh, would to God that all the church would live out our profession in truth by walking in obedience to what we profess. He speaks about grace. You know that. We won't go deep in it. Grace, the unmerited favor of God. It's given to us, though we don't deserve it at all. That's what grace is. Grace is what's been given to us that we don't deserve. That's the blessings of God. Mercy is just kind of like the opposite meaning, is mercy is is that God has not given us what we deserve. And how many can say amen to that? That again, what we deserve, again, is the judgment of God, but in his love, he's dealt with us in mercy. And then that peace, that word peace, the Greek word hyrene, the comfort of God that comes into our lives, even in the midst of chaos that that sometimes just surrounds us completely. Really, really in true peace isn't the peace that you get when everything's going well and and you're healthy and you're you're healthy, wealthy, and good looking. Uh, that's, That's not the peace that he's talking about. The peace that he's talking about is when all the money's gone, when, when your health is, 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 can I say toilet in a church? When your health is in the toilet and, and everything is going bad in your life, and yet there is a peace that passes all understanding. And the world looks at you and says, man, your, your life looks like it's falling apart, but there is a calmness about you that I just don't understand. Guys, that's the peace that only Christ gives. All the rest of it is, is, man, that just deals with our circumstances. But when our circumstances come against all that and we can still have peace, man, that's what we need. That kind of comfort, that kind of peace actually comes when we continue to focus on him and on him alone, on Christ, on Christ alone, who is our strength, who is our salvation, who is our ever-present help in a time of trouble. That's when our peace comes there. Grace, mercy, and peace. But as I said, that's only as we continue to walk in truth and love. Move down to verse 5. John writes, And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. I want to stop right there and take a look at that. You've got to understand, here's John, the elder, both in years as well as in position. He's an old guy. He's been serving the Lord for years and years. He was the youngest of the apostles, been serving the Lord for uh, probably 60 years or better now. And he had seen it all by this time. He had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He was there at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. Remember, Jesus was the one that looked at him and said, hey, behold your mother and spoke to Jesus, spoke to Mary, his mother, and says, behold your son. That was John. John was there through all of that. John was there at the resurrection of the Lord, at the ascension of the Lord. John was there on the day of Pentecost and the coming down in power of the Holy Spirit. John was there as the church was being formed. And again, as as the word of God began to spread out even through the Gentile nations. John was there as persecution came from the Jews, as persecution came from the Judaizers. Those were the ones who, Jews who became Christians who felt you still need to be Jews. John was there through all of that. And so he's the one that's now coming and writing to this church. And he says, I plead with you. He doesn't say I command you where in all rights, he had the right to command them as an elder, as an apostle. 
He had the right. I command that you love one another. But you know what we found out? You can't command anybody to love anybody. It's kind of like telling your kids, you know, when they're little and they're fighting, okay, go hug your brother. Oh, man. I, I can do it on the outside, but it's not happening on the inside. That's why he says, I plead with you. That's, I, that's that idea of, 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 you know, I beg of you that you would, again, that commandment that we've heard from the very beginning, that you would love one another. Why would that be so important? Well, we know in 1 John, man, he wrote all through there. That, hey, if you say you love God, but you don't love your brother, the truth's not in you. You make God a liar, the truth's not in you. Hey, if you hate your brother and you say you love God, no, that can't be. Because John also was there in the upper room that night when Jesus says, it's by your love that men will know that you're my disciples. John knew the importance of love for one another. Because guys, in reality, we are foreigners within a strange land. And because of that, if we don't love each other, guess what? The world's not going to love us. Jesus even warned us of that. Man, the world's going to hate you. But remember, it hated me first. The importance of loving one another. He hits on it again here in this 13 verses. Here it is again. Love one another. I plead with you. And then verse 6. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Now, as I said, very familiar because we read it over in 1 John over and over. As a matter of fact, there's a couple of places in 1 John that sound exactly like what he writes here. You're right there at 2 John. Just flip over a page or two to 1 John chapter 2. Look down in verse 7. 1 John chapter 2, verse 7, he writes, Brethren, I write to you no new commandment, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. Doesn't that sound like what he just wrote in second? He says the old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Flip over to chapter 3, down at verse 11, kind of the same thing. 1 John 3, verse 11, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. Seems like John has a one-string guitar, doesn't it? Playing the same note over and over and over again. You need to love one another. You need to love one another. Listen, guys, do you know? You need to love one another. Yes, John, we've heard that. And I'm sure he would say, well, I'll stop saying it as soon as you start doing it. You know, it's like the old pastor. He had one message and every Sunday he'd come up and give that same message over and over and over again. Pretty soon the, the, the elder board comes up and says, look, pastor, when we called you, we thought that you could really preach. We went and heard you preach and we just really loved your message. Now, since you've been preaching here these last six weeks, it's the same message every week. When are you going to change? And he says, as soon as they get the first one, I'll change and we'll move on. I think that's why John says this so much. We need to love one another. The fullness of that commandment of love can only be completed really in our lives when we are walking in obedience to God's word. Because you see, in the natural man, we we have a difficult time loving one another. Uh, We can enjoy one another. We can have fun with one another. But as soon as one says something 
you know, sideways or something happens and suddenly, you know, I don't love you anymore. That's why marriage is a commitment, not a feeling. Uh, any, any of you figured that out? You know, I've, I've figured that out years ago. It's, it's a commitment because if you're just in it for the feelings, you're not going to last long. And in the same way for us, it's when we are walking in obedience to God that our love for one another can really be true and really grow. He tells us in verse 6, this is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. You've heard this commandment. You've heard it over and over and over. You need to be walking in it. You need to be living it. You need to put shoe leather to the commandment that you've heard. There's no doubt that love one another. The way that the sentence is formulated leads us to believe that perhaps some of these false teachers, they came in with a false doctrine. Maybe they were trying to twist the Lord's words around in reference, in, in reference to that importance of our love for one another. But John says, no, you heard that commandment. You heard it from the very beginning. Don't let them twist it or say, well, because of this or that. No, you knew this from the very beginning. You need to love one another. Verse 7. Because he says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ What does it say, church? Does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. John now kind of shifts, and this shift is still tied, again, to to live our lives in truth, to live our lives in obedience to the commandments of God. And there appears to be this direct tie-in between the plea of verse 5 and the warning of verses 7 and 8. The plea of verse 5, again, was that uh, we would love one another. Now here in 7 and 8, he's talking about these deceivers that are coming in, and plus he's telling about you need to look to yourselves and see what's going on in your own life. Again, warning that, that we need to walk in accordance to the commandments that we've received from the very beginning, and the fact that these deceivers, that these false doctrines, they're on the rise, they're twisting the very doctrines that are the foundation of Christianity. And that's the same battle that he spoke of over in 1 John in chapter 4. Yeah, go ahead and flip over there, just a page over, or maybe just right across the page. In 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, he tells the church, Beloved, don't believe every spirit, Man, there's a lot of spiritual people in the world. There's a lot of spiritual happenings in the world. But he says you need to test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has what? Has come in the flesh is of God. That's a particular battle that they were fighting. We spoke about that last week, that again, Jesus really didn't come in the flesh. He came in the spirit, and he was kind of a spirit being and all of those kinds of things. He says, every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, 
which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Guys, it is of monumental importance what you believe about Jesus Christ. As I, I think we even shared this last week. You get that wrong, you're just in the wrong court. You're in the wrong ball field. There's no way with, with a wrong understanding of Christ that you can have the trueness of the salvation that the word of God speaks about. Just as in 1 John, he warned the church to be on the lookout for those false teachers, for those antichrists. So now here in 2 John, the apostle says that, man, there's many deceivers have gone out into the world. There's no doubt they, they had a little bit of truth. Maybe they had a whole lot of truth. But they had enough that, what did it become then, church? A lie. Even if they have a lot of truth, if they mix it with untruths or half-truths or partial truths or shadings of the truth, holding back the fullness of the truth, all of that is a form of a lie. And because of this, they showed themselves to be deceivers and, as John says, an antichrist, not the antichrist, but someone who is antichrist, that spirit of antichrist. When John tells the church there in verse 8, back in Second John, he says, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. You know what he's telling them there? Examine your own lives. Examine what you believe. Uh, look to yourself, he says. Not to get the answers of truth within yourself. He's not saying, look within and you can find the truth within. That's not what he's saying here. What he's talking about is, again, that we ourselves, we have to be found as believing, faithful children that are walking in the truth. Look to yourselves. Because if you don't have that, man, the joy that I have of knowing that you're a believer, suddenly, man, I lose that. Because if you're not a believer and you've just been playing games all this time, John says, man, we're going to lose the things we worked for. Even that full reward, man. We, we thought that, man, God is moving powerfully. And all we were doing was looking on the outside. And woe be to any pastor or ministry leader that only looks on the outside. John even returns to the idea, the same kind of an idea in, in his next letter in, in 3 John. Look across the page probably or down, down in verse 3 and 4 of 3 John. He says, I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that's in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. But you know what? I bet he has no greater heartbreak than to find that one who seemed that they had the truth was all external and not real and true. Back here in 2 John, verse 8. Look to yourselves. Examine yourself. Because John wants his joy to remain too. The joy of seeing and knowing that his children are walking in the truth. We 
are so glad we could be with you today as we opened God's Word and dove deeply into its goodness and truth. If you missed any part of today's message in John's epistles, we encourage you to catch up on our website, theopenword.com. There you'll be able to browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of The Open Word. We'd love to hear from you too and find out how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 520-836-9676. Is social media part of your routine? Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link at our website, theopenword.com. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Oh yeah, thanks Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again, or simply begin with the Gospel of Mark, a short and simple reading. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today, and I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word.